Assalamu alaikum guys, welcome to episode 43 of the Millionaire Muslim podcast. It's Muslim here and if it's the first time you're tuning in, then this is a podcast all about halal investing, personal finance and entrepreneurship. And today I'm going to be sharing with you how I have got Vodafone to cough up 150 quid, which is a great result for me personally. And I'm going to share with you also how you can do it and the template that I've used when complaining to them and how you guys can then use that to com companies that you're complaining to about poor service or whatever it might be. So stick around for the full episode to hear that. So the structure of this episode is going to be I'm going to talk through what actually happened with me and Vodafone, how I got them to agree to the £150 request that I made and then I'm going to give you the template that I have got. So in essence, this was uh, a story which originates back in March when I moved house and I used to have a Vodafone broadband contract, well I still do, and I asked them to transfer it over to my new house. And everything seemed fine. This is of course a very standard request. And they said, yep, that's fine Mr Patel, you will be going live on the 21st of March. So that was fine. I actually moved in a few days before that, but you know, whatever, I wasn't really too fussed because that was the go-live date that they'd given me. And lo and behold, the 21st of March came and my internet wasn't live. And at first I thought it was a problem with my telephone socket because I hadn't tested it, I don't have a landline. Um, and it turns out that that was actually the case. But then I tried it on my main, uh, the master socket, and that wasn't working either. So it definitely was the internet that wasn't working. Long story short, multiple phone calls later, you know, many, many issues. Eventually, I went live on the 11th of April, which is three weeks, which in today's day and age, guys, is an absolute age when it comes to broadband. And that, in a nutshell, is the basis of my complaint. And I just want to start, actually, with a precursor to my complaint and a little bit of a tip for you guys. So when I actually asked for the transfer from my old house to my new house, Vodafone said to me that you need to sign up to a brand new 18-month contract. And bearing in mind that I had signed up to one probably six months prior, so I was six months into an 18-month contract, and they had said to me that you need to, because you're moving house, you need to sign up to a brand new contract. And I hadn't looked at the terms and conditions at this point, but on the phone I kind of said, well, that doesn't really seem right or fair because you're basically punishing me for moving house what 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 else do you expect me to do because i can't break my contract because i'm only six months into it and yet you're forcing me to take out a brand new contract and the guy was insistent no this is what we have to do and i said okay let me go away and look at the terms and conditions so i had a look at the terms and conditions and yes the terms and conditions did say that if you are moving home we may require you to take out an 18 month, uh, you know a new 18 month contract basically now the key word here is they may require me and that's what i clung on to so i rang them back and said you know i've had a look at your terms and conditions i respectfully disagree with you your terms and conditions say that you may require me to take out a new 18-month contract, not that you shall require me to take out a new 18-month contract, and therefore you do have the discretion to be able to basically waive this. And again, I kind of you know went through multiple people, and eventually I got to someone that said, yes, fine, we will basically take 
six or seven months off uh, your your new contract so that it lines up with with what you wanted, which was a really nice little win for me, um, and and also a tip there, which is just to kind of refuse stuff. You know, ultimately every everything that you do and everything that you buy and every service that you take out with someone is a negotiation. And if you don't want it and you don't like the terms of it, then you can very well negotiate some of the terms of that. And I think often we forget that when we are dealing with these big corporations. So that's that's tip number one, really, that you guys can take away from, from this, which is just feel free to negotiate, you know, go old school and, and start negotiating with people. So going back to the main story of the broadband, I was obviously very annoyed at the fact that I'd had to wait three weeks for my broadband to go live. And this time, bearing in mind that my my kids are at home, uh, my wife's at home, internet is, is an absolute necessity. And um, what Vodafone had done, because I've got a mobile contract with them, they'd actually put 50 gig of data on my phone just so that I could get by and said that, you know, I could tether the broad the mobile data across devices in the house such as the tv and other phones and so on and so forth but this is a fundamental flaw in this which is that i'm not at home during the day so i had to basically leave one of my well my my main phone at home which was again a massive inconvenience on top of a massive inconvenience so you can well imagine my state of mind at the end of these three weeks i was massively frustrated and so i i resolved to complain and to get some sort of compensation out of them now unfortunately life kind of gets in the way and you get busy and you've not got the time to be dealing with phone calls and arguing with people because it's just not what you need and so I actually although initially I did put in a kind of generic complaint I didn't actually pick this up rather embarrassingly until a few weeks ago so probably a good you know, three, four months after the actual event, which isn't really what you should be doing. But, and I, and I wouldn't recommend that, by the way, but it was fine for me in the end. So I just want to share with you what exactly went down with Vodafone. So my, my initial complaint kicked off with a really, really good tool called Resolver, which is, I think is a tool developed by the guys at Money Saving Expert. You can find that over at resolver.co.uk. And it's a really, really intuitive tool. It's a bunch of companies have signed up to it. So you just choose which company you're complaining to from a drop-down menu. You fill out a template response for your complaint. And the company in question deals with your complaint within that medium. The problem with Vodafone was that they wanted to do everything by phone because I think that's their process. And to be fair, it's, it's probably better in a way as well rather than going back and forth on email. So I didn't actually deal with the whole complaint on Resolver, but I would thoroughly recommend Resolver generally for you guys. With Vodafone, they were very apologetic about the whole situation and they offered me, by way of compensation, the princely sum of £20, to which I said, no, that's not a very reasonable offer. And the inconvenience that I have had to go through for this and the offer that I am giving to you is £150. And the reason that I came to £150 was since the date of my complaint, well, since the date of my issue rather, not the date of my complaint, Ofcom now have these standards whereby there is automatic compensation for a missed service date and the automatic compensation that they've put in place is £5 a day. With me, I had 21 days without service and 21 times 5 is 105 and then I added a kind of nominal £45 for the inconvenience that I had to go through of leaving my phone at home for three weeks, 
lots and lots of phone calls, literally spent hours and hours on the phone. So £45, to be honest, was quite lenient. I think potentially I could have got more, but I was being very reasonable at this point. Um, and I and I you know very kindly explained that this is the rationale that I've come to, and one hundred and fifty pounds is what I think is sensible, and they like I said they offered initially twenty pounds on another phone call they offered forty pounds and said that's the absolute maximum that they can go to, then in another phone call they said no that's not right we can offer more than forty pounds and we're offering you fifty pounds to which I said well that's not much better than forty pounds and I'm not going to change my mind and I just stuck to this line of. I've calculated this £150 in a very sensible and a very reasonable way. And if you're not going to give that, the leverage that I had over them was that I said I would complain to their regulator, which is Ofcom. And I was fairly confident that Ofcom would find in my favour, A, because they are naturally quite consumer-friendly. They're there to protect the consumer. And also because I'd calculated this £150 in accordance with their own new standards. Now, the standards, as Vodafone explained to me, and as I knew anyway, weren't applicable to my situation because they fall outside of the period. And in any event, I think Vodafone only subscribed to those Ofcom standards in July, which was long after the date of my issue in any event. But I accepted that and I was never arguing that. My argument was that it's a good framework and a good basis for which to estimate what compensation is due to me. And I kept insisting on that. And they eventually saw sense. I had a phone call from somebody who seemed to be relatively high up in the whole process. And she was extremely reasonable and said, I'm going to you know, give you the £150 that, that you've asked for. Is there anything else that I can do for you, etc., etc.? And it was a very positive conversation that I that I had with her. And th I think part of the reason for that was because I was reasonable in the first place. And I'd actually calculated this using a sensible methodology. It wasn't me just gung-ho saying, oh, I want £150 because I've not had broadband. No, it was actually a very thought-out process. And I think that she could recognise that. And I, I think ultimately that is probably why they gave me the full 150 pounds so i wanted to break all of this down into some actionable tips for you guys for when you're complaining about your issues that you've got and at the end i'm going to invite you to, to share your issues what what issues have you got with people have you had any successes or failures before etc etc so stick around for the end for that because i've got some homework for you guys but first of all let's let's go through the tips so the very first tip that i'm going to give which is a tip that i often give to people which is you should complain why do we not complain because at the end of the day we pay for things you know we 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 work hard for our money we pay for things, we pay for services, um, and we pay for goods that break down sooner than they should have, etc., etc. And if we don't complain, first of all, we're out of pocket, which is just not fair. And secondly, the companies don't know what they're doing wrong, so they can never improve. It's no use you know, complaining in our little circles. We have to actually talk to the people that matter and the people that matter in these situations are the companies themselves so that's the very first tip that i'd give which is actually take the time out to complain and use the tools that are that we have at our disposal so the one i mentioned earlier is a really good one resolver.co.uk but at the minimum what you can do is just go to the website of the company 
who you want to complain to and they will have a complaints procedure whether it's email whether it's letter whether it's phone call whatever it is you can very very easily find where to complain to and what the complaints process is and as part of that one recommendation that i would have is find out early what your next step is so if this person or if this company sorry doesn't give me what I'm asking for, what is the thing that I am threatening them with? So in my instance, Vodafone and all you know mobile networks have a regulator, which is Ofcom, and you can complain directly to Ofcom about the behavior of any companies that are under their purview, such as Vodafone. And I kept insisting to Vodafone that if you don't meet this £150, then that's fine, but send me this um, deadlock letter. So Ofcom require a so-called deadlock letter, which is a letter from the provider saying we've exhausted all our avenues and we can't agree to this demand. So I just said to Vodafone, send me the deadlock letter. I will just go to, to Ofcom. And I kept repeating that line throughout all the conversations that I had. And that was my kind of bargaining chip, I suppose. So identify early what your next step is when you are complaining to a company. Usually it will be that they've got a regulator that you can complain to, which is a very handy tool because it costs the company money to have to deal with a complaint when it comes via Ofcom, potentially other regulators as well. Tips number two and three are related. So tip number two is, I would say, have a target and really stick to it. And just use that as your anchor point. Now, some people take the approach of, I'm going to go higher than what I actually want, which is a perfectly fine approach, I think. Depends on who you're dealing with. And if you go higher than what you want, then eventually you know they'll agree to something which is slightly lower and you're happy to agree to that in any event the approach i took was slightly different and i don't think there's a right or wrong way of doing it i think you just have to play it by ear at the time the way i did it was i calculated what was reasonable and what i could i think reasonably argue in the conversations that i had and i i just stuck to it completely if i had had to go to Ofcom in the end I think I would have made the figure higher because that would have increased my inconvenience by that point and because the the very nature of Ofcom kind of acting as a middle person there will there would inevitably be a form of negotiation I think I would have gone higher than my 150 pounds ask in that event but I didn't need to so you can basically play it either way I don't think it really matters and that leads on to tip three which is calculate what your ask is in a reasonable and methodical way because if you do that you'll show to the other person or the people that are dealing with your complaint that you're not just doing this because you're in for a quick buck you're doing it because there is a genuine problem that you've had with your service or with your good and you have really sat down and thought about what a fair and reasonable amount of compensation would be. So that's definitely something that I would recommend. Now, you're not going to always have it as clean as I did. So I could fall back on these Ofcom standards of £5 a day, which is actually quite a nice framework to have. You're not always going to have that. So you just try and have to find something that will work for you. And it could be a finger in the air job, to be honest with you. There's no real way of measuring inconvenience. And inconvenience is different for different people. For me, getting on the phone to Vodafone for hours on end is a massive inconvenience, given that I, you know, I work a full-time job, 
my my hourly rate that I charge out that my firm charges me out to clients at is significantly higher than 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 I was getting by being on the phone to to Vodafone for example so there are ways of thinking about your inconvenience and ultimately it's a question of you know what is your time worth what is your what is the nature of the problem what is the severity of the problem how badly at fault are the company etc etc so you kind of just have to weigh up all the factors and then come up with a figure that you're happy with tip number four is record everything so when i say record i don't necessarily mean hitting the record button on your phone but you can do that and you probably should do that with their permission if it's phone calls. But record also means recording mentally or writing down names, times, what was said, what was agreed, what actions and so on and so forth. Ideally, just keep a sheet of paper, write down you know, the, the date, the time, who you spoke to, what was said. And if there's ever any dispute about what you said, then you can just say, I've got a contemporaneous note of exactly what was said, and I can prove it. Um, and also, you, like I said earlier, you can just record the conversation. So what I did in, in my interactions with Vodafone, when I knew that it was kind of brewing up to a bit of a problem, I, at the start of each conversation, they used to say to me, oh, you know, this, this, this conversation may be recorded, uh, for training and quality purposes or whatever and I just kind of stop them and say look can we just make sure that it is recorded and I'm going to record from my end if that's okay and they they always agreed to that which is you know which is fine so I just recorded the conversations onto my phone and it's just in case you ever need to rely on it or you ever need to play it back for yourself for your own reference just to see what was said and so on so forth so definitely record everything so you've got an objective proof of what was agreed and that will help with tip five which is note down any inconsistencies that start coming up so when i dealt with vodafone i dealt with multiple operators and one thing i noticed was that just once or twice they sort of slipped up a bit and they started telling me things that were inconsistent with what somebody previously had told me so as an example in in one of the conversations when they offered me 40 pounds the 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 operator said to me that this is literally the maximum that we can go to and even if i put you through to my manager my manager is just going to say exactly the same thing and you know there's there's no point so i was kind of like okay that's fine i'll just go to ofcom then and, and left it at that it was only when I got a phone call a little a few days later where the operator said to me, actually, what that person said wasn't quite right and we can offer you a bit more than that. Now, in that conversation, he offered me £50, which wasn't ideal. But the point was that there was an inconsistency there and I noted that down because all of this really is ammunition for later down the line when at the time I was anticipating having to complain to Ofcom and pointing out behavior like this doesn't paint the company in a great light. And at the end of the day, regulators are all about protecting the consumer. And if companies are seen to be inconsistent with their messaging to a consumer, then that doesn't paint them in a very good light. So definitely record any inconsistencies because that is really, really good leverage when it comes to your complaint. And the final tip, which I'd give, is be firm but always be courteous, I mean courteous and polite. So be firm, but always be courteous 
and polite. And there's two reasons for that. One is that is what our religion demands. You know, we are we we are commanded to be uh, of of that nature. And I think it's really important that in our interactions such as this, and and just generally, full stop. We should always be courteous and polite. That's the least that we can do. So if you're someone that kind of loses your rag or you get impolite or whatever over such situations, just completely wind that in because at the end of the day, it's not the other person's fault directly. It's a circumstance which has arisen, but you're being impolite or not very nice to someone on the other end of a phone it, it it's not an Islamic thing to do. So that's the first reason. And the other reason is that it just doesn't help either. See, your being impolite probably hinders your case more than helps your case, rather than if you are seen to be, you know, a polite and reasonable person. So there's an ob very objective reason not to be courteous, um, sorry, not to be rude and impolite over the phone when it comes to dealing with these issues. It's very easy to get het up and quite rude about it, but I promise you it's not really the way forward at all. So if you are someone that has that nature, then just kind of be very, very conscious of it and, and just wind it in. So that's the tips, folks. And the next thing I want to tell you is that there are three particular types of people that I want to get in touch with me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you might as well copy Ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com in as well so that he can see everything. Number one is if you are someone that deals with these complaints get in touch with me because I'd love to hear some inside tips on what the best way is to you know go about doing these complaints and whether what I've said is you know chimes with what you think is a good way to handle complaints. Number two, if you're someone that's had you know either a big success or a big failure or whatever with a complaint, you know, some sort of experience with a complaint that is worthy of a conversation, then drop me a line. And the third person that I want to speak to is anyone who is contemplating a complaint and doesn't really quite know how to go about it or just wants a bit of a push, then get in touch with me because I'd love to help. So three types of people that I want to hear from. Number one, anyone that's a complaints agent. Number two, anyone that's had a kind of big success or a failure with a complaint. And number three, anyone that's contemplating a complaint and wants a push. Mohsin at IslamicFinanceGuru.com, Ibrahim at IslamicFinanceGuru.com. I would love to hear from you. And even if you don't fit in any of those three categories, get in touch with me anyway, because you might as well. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I will see you on the next podcast, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum.